Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello there, it's me, Jimmy Stewart. How'd you get back in here? Listen, I just... I, I, I thought I had a cl- touch of class this podcast. I, I i heard you had some 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 chaps from overseas, and they sounded a bit dastardly. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they weren't nice, but, like, we had them cleared out at that point, you know. I mean, we were ready to do our podcast, and now we got you kind of coming in and, uh, you know... I mean, we're... we're we're not ungrateful. We're happy you came by, Mr. Stewart. We, we appreciate every old dead star that comes by and says something to us, but but you're kind of getting in the way at this point. I'm, I'm... Well, 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 now, let me tell you something, boys. Now, if there's anything Jimmy Stewart knows, it's British film. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you flew over Britain quite a few times and happened to catch a few uh, few reels from the window of your airplane. That's right. Yeah. I thought I, 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 I wrote a bit of a poem for you. You're starting to sound a little bit like Nicolas Cage there, Mr. Stewart. I, I, I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. I, I, could I read my poem? All right, Mr. Stewart, if you would like. Okay. <clears throat> Podcast about British film. Uh-huh. They talked about a taste of honey. It's not a movie in which I spent money. What about my old dog, Spot? My old dog Spot, whose corpse is starting to rot. My dog Spot was a great dog. My dog Spot would sleep like a log. This is the first draft. Yeah. I'm almost done. I'm becoming more and more convinced that you're Nicolas Cage pretending to be Jimmy Stewart. I'm almost... Hey, I'm almost done, okay? Okay, continue. Okay. Brendan and Jason... Mm. Talking... And... Crying. Okay. But let me tell you something. This is a great show, and I ain't lying. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Stewart. Uh, General Stewart, thank you. And now, for screen and country. Wow, he really really worked at that one. Oh, oh, hey, Jason, sorry I was late. Did I miss anything? No, no. Everything was was just fine. Are you sitting here waiting for me? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's 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 just move on. Okay, well, that sounds good to me. This is a podcast. Fred Packs! Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. This is a podcast uh, about British film. It is a podcast. Hosted by 
Yeah. You. Brendan. Br- yes, that's me. And you. Jason. That's you. That's me. And with this podcast, we talk about British film. <sighs> of a British nature. From British people. On the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All Time list. But not this week! No. This is our final uh, part of our little mini-series. Brit Picks! On, you, might, you might have guessed it was called Brit Picks. Brit Picks! So, of course, we started out with Sexy Beast. Yep. We did Happy Go Lucky. Mm-hmm. We did Scrooge just before the Christmas break. We're back. It's 2020. Very excited. Woo! Happy New Year, everybody. It's going to be the worst year ever. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Jason never. That's also a us. podcast, The Worst Year Ever. Check it out. Very okay, funny guys. Jason, they don't need that. Yes, they do. They'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just hoping they'll mention us. <laughs> please, guys, please. We love you. Just mention us. Robert, Cody, Katie. And so this this week we're talking about an audience pick. We picked ten picks from from all our audience picks that we thank got. You. Yes, thank you for some great picks in there. Yeah. Um, and we picked ten, and then we rolled the dice to get one of those ten. And, and one we, of those was we did not get Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which should be on this list. But uh, there is Molly for Brian, which actually is probably a better movie. But that's a whole different discussion for a different episode. Maybe next week. Maybe we'll find out at the end of this episode. Maybe. But this week, Jason, we're talking about one of the audience picks called. Uh, they selected 2013's Under the Skin, directed by Jonathan Glazer. Our we, buddy! Yeah, we, we just We got two Kingsleys, about, now we got two Glazers. So we just talked about a few weeks ago with uh, Sexy Beast. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, Under the Skin. That very haunting, eerie theme music, it can only be one thing, Jason. It's under the skin. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rev up your engines. Your van engines. <laughs> Coming this Saturday at the Expo Super Show. So, I'm going to ask you for once. Since this is a movie that you uh, have seen before, and I have not, Brendan. This is my second time watching it. second time it, yeah. watching this movie. What is this fucking movie about? Well, first of all, this movie... I'm going to go through the cast. Scarlett Johansson. Okay. So the movie is... Yes, well, no, that, that's not true. There is one person in there I recognized outside of Scarlett Johansson. And the, the gentleman, the first gentleman she abducts... Don't know his name. Mm-hmm. I probably could have looked it up. Mm-hmm. But I'm not conscientious like that, so fuck off. But that guy, wow! I'm pretty sure I've seen that guy on numerous episodes of 8 Out of 10 Cats, a British panel show that I enjoy quite a bit. You may have. Yes. But I can tell you what this movie is about. It's barest of bones. It is. It really is. It is a film about a woman mm-hmm. who we're led to believe is some sort of alien mm-hmm. being, something from another planet. Or now, this been... is Neverly 
Neverly? This Neverly. Is, this, this is Neverly explicitly said. No, Neverly. Neverly told. Neverly told to anybody. Um, but but, what, but you've what I'm Neverly. Saying, but you've Neverly watched this movie before. No, I've never watched this movie before. But I knew that this was a thing. Now my my question was is when this movie originally came out, was this a known like was this in the blurb in the program saying Scarlett Johansson, an alien, uh, engages in something on Earth? I believe it was. So I, I so believe, that's good. I believe this is known to be Scarlett Johansson playing an alien. Okay. Yeah. Because right at the gate watching this movie the first thing that occurred to me is i am so glad that i know she's an alien because mm-hmm. if i didn't know that fact if i gone into this movie completely cold i would have been so put off like like having no fucking clue what was going on like it would have seemed like some sort of student art film where it's just like does it make it's just it's just weird for being weird i don't know what's even going on but then having the, that context then i'm able to keep track of everything out of the gate mm-hmm. i'm like okay she's an alien that other guy he's probably an alien too riding well, around on his motorbike well so so this movie, yeah, is, she is an alien mm-hmm. of some kind. We don't know a lot of details other than that. They, don't, they very... don't say nothing about that. Nope. She's from another planet, comes to Earth, and we get the basic idea that her her goal is to kidnap uh, male passersby, not necessarily hitchhikers, just stops and picks them up. And of course, she's Scarlett Johansson, yeah. so many many a man will is very grateful to get into the car with her to well, the van with her but it's the thing uh, I, I feel like every one of those guys except for maybe the guy that yelled at her from the car Andrew uh, I think he's the one guy that had a name in the movie mm-hmm. uh, I think just about everybody expresses a little bit of hesitation before getting into the car with her sure and I wonder if that's just a cultural like because these these people are of ages that grew up with the idea of like hey it's real dumb to get into strangers cars so there's always that little hesitation I mean I think they're also like why would this beautiful woman yes say- well, exactly and yeah. it's an immediately a suspicious situation especially if you're not like if you're a super attractive dude and you know it and a hot lady says hey get in my Corvette you're probably just like whatever babe sure but like if you're just a normal looking guy like like me or a super ugly guy like Brendan uh, it's gonna it's trigger Wait a <laughs> I just like nodded my head at first. Just nodded along. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Continue. It's gonna trigger suspicion uh, because it's like, mm, I mean, she seems lovely, but what? What's her angle? What's her game? Well, so and maybe that's unfair. But but as a as an average looking guy, and again, you as a monster probably uh, understand what I'm talking about. Yes, I I am a monster. <laughs> a monster. So my, my my purpose in this podcast is actually a con. It's 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 a big con it's to destroy a, Brendan's self esteem. Real long con. <laughs> it's slowly breaking me down over yep. the past like what thirty eight to seventy five episodes. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, back to the plot that I was yeah, okay, trying yeah, to break down sorry, really quickly. Yeah. So she is an alien. She's picking up these men and bringing them to some kind of area where Charlie Rose's office. Yeah, of course, Charlie Rose's office. She's bringing them into this kind of pool where they are being evaporated, mm. and I believe their meat is being uh, sent somewhere. We, again, it, the movie doesn't tell you a whole lot. Well, now we'll, we'll talk about the context later. But but yeah. as of yeah, in the movie we don't uh, yeah we don't know. We get a vague suggestion that they yeah that they've been popped and that the the insides are then filtered out somewhere. Right and said somewhere so after many times of doing this eventually she starts to kind of take a second look at human existence she sees kind of a little more nuance than she was seeing at first she starts to be drawn in then she kind of wants to become a part of it Mm. and then that ultimately ends in tragedy which i actually do want to just save until we get there yeah um but yeah it's 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 very if we were just to describe the plot this episode would be five minutes long. Yeah. Because there is not a lot of plot, but there's a lot of building to it. Um, actually, I want to say right out of the gate, you know what movie came to mind when I watched this? Probably not may- the same one that came to my mind. Well, it might not be conventional, but I thought of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. Just in the terms of like, these are some long drawn out scenes. 
They're, similar pacing, yeah. Similar tone in that way. Similar I would say. pacing, yeah. Similar tone. Music, I thought was kind of similar. Like the, 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 the this use, movie was definitely more sci-fi, like almost like fifties-ish in some the, of the tropes it uses. Yeah, but the use of like mechanical type sound, like sounding music, yes. and like slow zooms, and like the like the movie literally starts with this tiny, tiny circle of light yeah. slowly yeah. comes into frame, and I mean it starts with her sounding out her like letters. Which at first I assumed was her speaking an alien language. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if that was the what they were trying to kind of fake you out with, but that's what the, my impression was. But then as it goes on, it's like she goes from making sounds to making like longer sounds to making words, you know. Right. And learning our terrible language. So, yeah. So I want to, like, overall, I think this movie is both... Um, Kind of, kind of hating on the human race, mm-hmm. and also kind of admiring it. Yeah, I think it's a both minds here because you start out with Scarlett Johansson is like essentially a villain. Yeah, I mean she's kidnapping men and killing them and yeah. processing their meat. Well, we, and then, we, we assume at least yes. In yeah. the second half of the film, though, it kind of takes a really interesting turn. Mm. In a lesser movie, I feel like this is just be like you know a government cover up, yeah. and like, you know they have to send in the scientists and shit. But it takes an interesting turn in that she is kind of like well, she starts to feel empathy. She starts to be led into like a human, the human race. Uh, like she kind of buys into it, and ultimately is duped by that. Yeah. Like she, that ultimately becomes her undoing, yeah. which is kind of fucked up. Like it's kind of an interesting message. I feel like Jonathan Glazer's not a real big fan of how humanity, well, <laughs> but I at mean, the same time, there's some stuff that he kind of like shows as like a genuine, um, positive aspects of humanity. See now, don't you wish they did a crossover where Scarlett Johansson picks up Dawn? What a movie that a would mo- be. That would be the best. They both don't know how to interact with each other. <laughs> so where are you from? Oh, don't fucking... Don't, don't, don't know where I'm fucking from. Where are you from? Where are you so fucking fancy you're from? Are, you are we going to fuck or what? <laughs> do you want to do this or what? I feel like I feel like Don Logan would be Deadsville. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> well, he, he, he would just immediately go back to her house with her. He wouldn't, no question. And then we'd see Ben Kingsley's Wang. Sweet. We do see a lot of Wangs in this movie. Yes, it's a it's a Wang filled film. But also, we see Scarlett Johansson naked too, so it's balanced out. But I mean, I think that's maybe that's the first thing I want to talk about. That is the nudity in this movie mm. is rampant. Yeah, but it's very like no, it's very clear not clear. appealing at all. No, it's, like it's, I mean, I'm not saying Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson's a gorgeous woman. Yeah, she's obviously very attractive. But and like, looking great in this movie, looking great. But like when I see her in the shots, like where she's looking herself in the mirror, like the, the sh- that scene's like I don't know an hour or so into the movie. You managed to restrain yourself. I mean, I just, I didn't really, it yeah. was weird. Like the yeah. movie worked you over so much. Yeah, there, there's no eroticism in any of it. No, it's just like it strips her of her personality too Yeah, throughout the movie. And so at that point you're just like, that's oh, a naked person. Like yeah. it's like you feel like you're you're reading like a medical book. She's wearing a, she's wearing a shell. She's wearing a skin, you know. She's under the skin. Mm. He said it. She didn't because she doesn't say much. Flip, flip, flam. I'd love to know how many words are said in this movie because there's not many. Eight. Oh. There's definitely more than eight. <laughs> this movie's just six words long. Jason, before we kind of, I guess, kind of unravel this movie a little more, do you want to know how this kind of this movie kind of came to be? Yeah, please inform me. Okay. So, we talked about Sexy Beast. Yeah. And this was the movie that actually Jonathan Glazer wanted to make after Sexy Beast. But he didn't really start working on it until after production of his second film, Birth, mm-hmm. which I described also has a, a weird, a very weird plot. Yeah. Um, but Glazer wanted to adapt the novel under the skin, 
but he had no interest in doing a direct adaptation. And just to give you an idea of what that kind of book was about, mm. so the protagonist is a so, character named... But before, before we start this, I want to point out that, that after having watched this movie and then gone and looked at the, at the summary of the book, it really did fill in a lot of gaps for me as far as like kind of like explicitly stating what the purpose of everything was that was going on in this movie. And as a, as a sci-fi fan, that was really cool. Um, but maybe as a film fan, I don't know that it benefits from the context. So if you really like this movie and, and just don't want to hear it, maybe turn off the podcast right now and don't listen to any of this context. Wow. So you can maintain your illusion of, of what this movie is. But if you want to hear about what it's actually about, we'll, we'll talk. Well, I don't know if this is what it's actually about, though, because I think Jonathan Glazer kind of abandoned the idea of the book in many well, ways. Y- yes, but based on the based on the summary I read, I haven't read the book, but based on the summary I read, he hits a lot of the same notes and ideas that are in that uh, uh, book, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He just doesn't drill down into the the Star Trek episode sci fi ness that the book has. Well, in the book, the main character is very obviously an alien. They make it very obvious. Well, I think I think it straight up says. I yeah. believe her name is Iserly. She's collecting hitchhikers for meat, mm-hmm. and she hunts with several other people. So yeah. she's not just by herself. The the biker dude is her boss, <laughs> name I think Esmus. Right. Uh, so there's even a point where a victim is writing mercy in the sand, and she yeah. pretends to not be able to not understand English. Yeah. In a way that she kind of feels some sort of empathy, but she like pretends not to. Well, she in the book there's an incident I believe where a another of the of her species shows up and releases a bunch of humans, and, and so this incident you're talking about here where the one writes mercy in the sand before they kill them, and she pretends not to understand English, but she ends up talking to this guy. He's like the son of a of a high placed politician, and he's like, yeah, you don't understand. These people are more like us than than you would believe. I mean, we shouldn't yeah. just be using them for meat. It's very like an animal rights take, I guess, almost. Um, but like the, the aliens in the book, as I understand, relate more to like the four-legged creatures because they are canids themselves, kind of dog-like creatures who then go through, well, specifically Iserly and Esmus go through very painful surgery to assume the form of humans. Uh, um, and so they're always in pain. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, but they're doing that specifically to go to the planet, to be undercover, to harvest people, and then sell the meat to the elites back in her society who pay a lot of money for this stuff. Yeah, so it's it's, it's all very like, it's, it's all, like I say, it's, it's like a real good episode of Star Trek, but yeah. it's all very like explicit and laid out like you would expect a sci-fi novel to be. And this takes so many of those ideas and just kind of says, here, it's happening. Just mm-hmm. watch it and tell me what you think. Well, and this is the thing. So, the, so like the book, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's... It's kind of similar because, I mean, there is a scene where she's raped by a hitchhiker and she has a change of heart at one point and lets someone go. And then, you know, his dog, this man's dog who she kidnaps is trapped in a van and she lets that dog go. And um, eventually she learns about reincarnation. Mm. So she crashes the car with her and another victim. And because she has to get rid of the evidence because they don't want anybody to know that there's aliens on this planet. She basically blows everything up. She blows herself herself from legend. Yeah. I am legend, yeah. Spoiler alert. Well, but yeah, no, she does that, which is which is an interesting ending to the book. Um, but it also that that leads enlightened me because then it's like okay, I get the end of the movie a little more because it's, it's, she's becoming disillusioned with the job, which is what happens in the book. But back to Jonathan Glazer adapting mm. this, he said, "I don't want to do that. Mm. I want to I want to adapt it, but I want to kind of put my own spin on it. I don't want to like necessarily." Stanley Stanley Kubrick this well, this, this source material. Well, but I if you do, were gonna do this book uh, like true to its source material, it would be a big budget sci fi epic. Well, that's the thing. So originally this was supposed to be a big budget adaptation, and actually 
This is kind of crazy. It was originally going to center around a husband and alien, a hus- husband and alien, husband and alien, husband and wife, alien couple posing as farmers. Brad Pitt was even cast as the husband. I'm not right. saying anything against Brad Pitt. Yeah, but sure. like, he'd be a great know. alien. Um, however, it took so long to get off the ground that Jonathan Glazer was like, just forget it. And, and now, Brad Pitt probably smoked enough weed that he did forget it. <laughs> and now Jonathan Glazer is like, you know what? We're going to cut the main character. We're going to cut the male character. We're going to focus only on the female character and her point of view. And Jonathan Glazer and his writing partner, Walter Campbell, they co-wrote the script together. Uh, he went through the, They went through the script and deleted every part of the script that called for any kind of big budget moment. And they deleted every part of the script that did not involve the female. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, you know... Just kind of added things here and there, but they they didn't like they cut all the big budget stuff. Yeah. They cut all the non main character stuff, and this also helped him secure funding. So he went through a number of actors. Like you got a Jonathan Glazer. I mean, he's coming off Sexy Beast. He's coming off Birth with her. Are not like you know huge money yeah. makers, but this guy's got some cred, yeah. especially from Sexy Beast because Ben Kingsley is like you know he fucking one of the best the performances of his I'll, career. Nominated for an Oscar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he has people like Gemma Arterton. Eva Green, January Jones, Abby Cornish, Olivia Wilde, who I actually think Olivia Wilde would have been really good in this movie. They're all considered. And Gemma Artisan actually, this is kind of sad, but she actually gets the part. And then the studio is like, we're not giving you the money unless you get a big name star. And Gemma Artisan unfortunately has to step aside. Mm -hmm. They do give it to Scarlett Johansson. um, Who, by the way, this is, there's no question. Hmm. This is one of the best. Now, I'm not saying she's a bad actress by any stretch. No, like, she's an amazing she, actress. She, she, I mean, lost in translation. I'm going to say this right people. now, Brendan. Scarlett Johansson can play anybody. Yeah. Now, whether she should play anybody is a great question that I'm not going to sit here and answer. But the fact is that she can play anybody. All right, let's not ghost in the show. <laughs> but yeah, she, she, she's a fantastic actress. And and what's really fascinating about this is that she kind of like strips away everything that kind of makes her a star in this movie. Mm. Like she doesn't act or carry herself like a Hollywood star. Well, she puts on a British accent though. It's a great British accent. It's very good. Very good. Like just posh a little bit like, Oh, hello. Yes. I'm looking for directions. Yes. Hello. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, she took, so four years. Okay. To learn to drive on the other side of the road. <laughs> Took her four years? Well, no. She had four oh. years to prep. Okay. And, like, <laughs> learn how to drive the van, perfect her British accent. And I think it's I think it's fantastic. And she's, she's cast in this part. So, despite her being a huge star, I don't know if you know this, but all these scenes where she's walking through town, these are not extras. Mm. These are just people. Yeah, I heard these that about this movie. People not recognizing her. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, she doesn't quite look all glam. Well, no, up and she's and, and she's wearing a wig, and she yeah, she doesn't look like Scarlett Johansson, the blonde movie star that you saw in uh, the Marvel movies. So Jonathan Glazer casts a lot of other inter- he makes a lot of interesting casting choices mm-hmm. in this movie. He also casts a, a road racer named Jeremy McWilliams to play like the driver mm. who he's known as because no one's really given a name in this movie. Oh, you mean the, the biker guy? The biker. Yeah. Um, he was a, uh, he was like a motocross biker. Like he, he was able to basically, he needed someone, Jonathan Glazer wanted someone to be able to drive during like these treacherous uh, roads yeah. at top speed. So he needed to so get they, an so, actual. <laughs> so they could save money. They wouldn't have to hire a stunt man. Right. And I mean, they, they again, he's, I don't think he has a single line. Nope. So, um, he does He does kind of dress her down at one point. At least that's the implication I got where mm-hmm. she's standing there and he's kind of walking around her and they seem to be communicating in uh, telepathic, Talosian-style uh, communication. 
Yeah, so and, and, and so so Scarlett Johansson is driving this van around. She has a generator in the back. Mm. All the cruise equipment is in the back. She's she's basically she's she's basically the gaffer. Yeah, <laughs> carrying you know everyone's stuff. And um, the crew had to build their own cameras at times, like build their own setups. Um, all the people, by the way, that she's picking up. Yeah, almost all the people that she's picking up and talking to on the streets, real people. I would, I believe the 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 guys she actually you see taking back, like she actually takes back and puts in the in the liquid. Those are re- actors. Well, maybe not. I believe they. Okay, so when they get into the car, when they get into the van with her, yeah, they are real people. Yeah, all of those people are real, except for one, which we'll get into later. Well, there's that the, the first Scottish guy she picks up is like I say, I know him from. Uh, but British I still TV. believe he is. A, he did not know he was being filmed. Hmm. So everybody except for one major character was a person that Scarlett Johansson specifically drove around and like she she basically was like okay let's talk to this guy let's talk to this guy let's talk to this guy they have hidden cameras in the van and then once they get into the van they have their conversation after they were kind of they kind of ended it that's when the director would come up and be like okay listen this is a movie Here's some release papers. Do you want to do you you know? Do by the you way, this is Scarlett Johansson you've been riding with. Yeah. Hey. By the way, this is Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> now, if you want to go further with this, we can go shoot this scene. It will it will you know necessitate nudity. So here is like you know an extra contract to sign. And I believe so. Anybody that's in that scene started out not knowing. Hmm. Once they're in that scene, they obviously know they're in a movie. But like when they're in the car, all those people in the van except for one, no idea. What well, was uh, the one guy specifically? The dude with the face. Yeah. Yeah. So I we'll, read a little bit about him. Yeah, so we'll definitely talk about that more. So anyway, Jonathan Glee, it took 12 years to yeah. make this movie. From conception to finished product, 12 years. Because Sexy Beast was 2000. 2001, he started writing it. I just was trying to think of another example of movies like that. And there have been, but I can't think of one offhand. But it's, I know there's not, been not plenty. too many, though. Well, just where the script's been kicking around for so long. I'm sure you've heard of the Hollywood Blacklist, right? Yeah, yeah, like those sorts of scripts that where they just look. There's that one script that's been sitting around for like 40 years, and apparently it's like one of the best scripts ever written, but nobody's ever made it into a movie. So, I mean, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start with this movie? Because there's a lot of different things we can get into. Um, let, I mean, should we just get like the look of the film? Yeah, it, I, I, it, yeah, okay. So this movie takes place in Scotland. So this whole movie has a very gloomy pallor to very it. Very local hero. That uh, I've never been to Scotland, but I feel like a Scottish person would look this movie and go, "Aye, that's Scotland." <laughs> and some of the accents of the locals are very hard to just to distinguish. Oh man, the the bus driver man trying to figure out what he was saying, I yeah. couldn't make out a word. <laughs> um, and this movie is very deliberate. The pacing is very slow mm-hmm. and steady, but it unfolds like a beautiful ah! as i mentioned on every almost every episode i love the movie once upon a time in the west so a slow-paced movie is no problem for this guy yeah so i mean even from the get-go from the beginning i think it's a good solid god 15 to 20 minutes before i think we get a single line yeah yeah oh also so right at the beginning <laughs> i was i was reminded of i like that's the thing. Like I keep thinking of other sci-fi movies when I'm watching this, and I and comparing them, and how like at the very beginning of the movie, you have the vans there, and the guy uh, pulls up on the bike. He goes down in the ditch. He pulls out a dead hooker, goes up, puts her in the van. 
Uh, and I'm thinking like, this is so different. And then she goes and takes her clothes and whatever and, and assumes kind of her, her look. Cause it's not the same person. I thought it was Scarlett Johansson maybe on the ground at first, yeah. but no, it was actually a different actress altogether. But it's like, compare that to like Terminator where he's just like, give me your boots and your gun mm-hmm. <laughs> or give me your boots and your motorcycle. So, and we don't ever really learn the, the function of this, of this biker, what no. he's all about specifically, other than he seems to cover up the evidence. Yeah. He all, and he like, seems I, to, I, I got the impression that, she, that he was her like direct boss. Like, like her handler. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to cover up the evidence and he seems to be her, yeah, her boss. Yeah. So, but what's interesting is like when he takes that woman up into the back of the van and she like, you know, take, puts her clothes on and yeah. stuff. I got the feeling that, that was the previous alien. That, that that was the previous alien that failed, and I think oh, this is just possible. a circ, a cycle of, because I mean she like we said she goes from like you know she's in this world she's collecting yeah. she's collecting men we don't know why yeah. but they're harvesting their meat for some reason she becomes a t- kind of like empathetic to the human to humans ultimately it ends in her dying yeah and I think this is just you like, think it's just the cycle that happens I that, think it's that just at a certain cycle. point it's inevitable that the the hand or the, the person that's going out and, and harvesting humans is going to get empathetic to them yeah. yeah I honestly think it just keeps happening yeah. Um, and they're just going through these, like, you know, <laughs> these test subjects very quickly. Well, because I believe in the book, too, it, it, like, uh, they have a part about her insisting on being shown how they're processed. And, yeah. and being taken to a factory and, and getting real angry when they won't show her, like, the final end of the process or something. Like, And, and, and in the book, I think it's a lot more, too, about, like, uh, food processing. There's yeah. a lot of uh, messages about, like, fast food and, like, how we kind of uh, like animal cruelty and stuff like that like this I bet you the author was happy that that message got it completely ejected from the movie (laughs) I mean it's it's kind of Jonathan Glazer's I mean we know from watching Sexy Beast Jonathan Glazer like kind of does his own thing like he doesn't absolutely he he doesn't uh, he actually okay so he actually said in an interview here let me just let me just pull this up here because he actually said that uh, he would never ever 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 want to make a movie with universal acclaim. Mm-hmm. He said, if I ever made a movie that people just agreed on, I would, I would feel like a failure. Yeah. I see that because, uh, yeah, that, that means lowest common denominator kind of stuff. Usually it's, it's rare that a movie that everybody loves is also like a truly good movie. Yeah. I Sometimes mean, I it mean, happens. I mean, it happens. Of course. Oh, like, yeah. you know, there's many Quentin Tarantino movies that most people love yeah. and they're great. But I mean, there's a lot of movies that, uh, yeah, I think he just, he wants to stir discussion. So I think the problem is that if he did ever want to do a movie that was like as big as a Quentin Tarantino movie, then Jonathan Glazer has to take up doing a whole mountain of cocaine. I think that's clearly, that's the secret to Quentin Tarantino's success and to Hollywood's, uh, machinations. I, I don't know, uh, I don't know about Jonathan Glazer's cocaine use, but ramp it up. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get going, bud. Like just dive in. (laughs) We want to see what you have. Um, in this movie, okay. So, uh, would you, if you had to, if you did name a genre for this movie, would you say horror? Mm, I don't know that I found it horrifying. Actually, the the only scene that truly horrified me was the scene on the beach. Yeah. So let's talk about that a yeah. little bit because that I wrote down at like literally just under its own subheading, disturbing scenes. Oh, because, absolutely. Um. So she goes to the beach and she's having a conversation. She's clearly picked out a victim. Yeah. This guy who kind of just lives on the beach. And and again, with the context I know from the book, like th- this is part of her like essentially assessing people. She's trying to find people that don't have any connections that won't be missed. That can just kind of disappear right. and won't cause too many waves. Which I think there's a couple scenes of her talking to people in the van mm. that do have connections. And she kind of just lets them go. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, she's talking to this guy and she's doing her kind of her kind of vetting process. Yeah. And then the the diver looks out and he sees that you know a husband and wife are caught out in the ocean. Yeah. They're they're, they're the, drowning. The wife has gone out after the dog who got caught out in the water, and the yeah. husband has run off the beach after the wife, leaving his young son or daughter. I don't know, but young baby a on baby the beach yeah. on the beach. Yeah. So the diver goes out. And he manages to get the husband, mm-hmm. but the wife is still out there, and the divers kind of kind of collapses just out of exhaustion. Yeah. And the husband goes back out to save the wife, so you know that husband is doomed. Like they're they're both gonna drown. And the diver just kind of collapses. Scarlett Johansson walks over, takes a rock, and just fucking thwacks him in the head. Yeah, just full on, like almost like, and, and it's disturbing because it's not like it, it, it's the kind of scene you would see in a cartoon. But but it's for real. She just grabs a rock and fucking knocks him on the head. <laughs> it's not it's not stylistically no. edited. It's not cut away. It's, it's not, not funny. It's not funny. It's not gory. No. It's just it's just then, that sound. The sound. The right sound. Just a clunk. You know. Yep. And then she, as she's dragging him away, we see the baby crying, mm-hmm. being left alone on the beach. That baby is doomed because the parents are going to die. Obviously. Yeah. The, the the thing that makes this the most disturbing though is that later on this is the daytime yeah we see at night the biker comes back to like get rid of the evidence and stuff and the baby is still there yes and the biker just ignores it yeah. completely like that child and you linger on that like, child you, you kind of hope that he would take the baby and do something with it like kill it or process Nothing. it or something just to deal with it like Nothing. but no just leaves it on the and beach. you linger on that child in a yeah. shot like you see that baby is like I don't know. I mean, I know babies can't really technically act, I guess, but like... No, but that baby's pissed. That baby, that, baby, that was some good baby acting. Yeah. That, was some that baby solid... deserves one of the baby Oscars this year. All right. Let's, let's, the Academy Award for Best Baby goes right. to the baby from Under the Skin. Under the from Skin Jr. 2013. From six years ago. We're finally recognizing this kid and we'll haul this seven-year-old kid up onto the screen and be like, I don't remember any of this. And then even more disturbing later, Jason, for me anyway, is yeah. when you hear the news report about mm. the, uh, the the family and then you hear that it's missing. Yeah, exactly. The, the baby's missing. Where the fuck did the baby go? The baby was right there. So the baby just like end up in the water? Like did did, did the, the, did the biker? The water? Did, did we not see the biker maybe do something about the baby? Did some like, desperate mother steal that baby? We don't know. There's a whole other movie about that baby that Jonathan Glazer needs to make. Yeah, it's called Baby's Day Out. That's right. <laughs> It's all so that's what you have to assume. If you just assume the baby's day out starts as soon as that baby is left on the beach and he's like taken to the city, and then Joe pa- uh, uh, Joe Mantegna shows up and it's a I whole. I going to say time. Joey Pants. I was, but then I realized it was no, it was Joe Mantegna that was in that movie. Fat Tony and then himself. Joey Pants shows up and he, he hey she was a whore Johnny a whore. He turned coats on uh, Keanu Reeves and whoa, I'm in cyberpunk. <laughs> but yeah, that scene is fucking yeah. disturbing that's the hardest scene in the movie to watch to me and then like i said yeah no gore or anything just no. like just so disturbing just it's like atmosphere. it's like but it it's it's with babies right it's sometimes the babies like of course you know there's god bless america where they shoot the baby with a shotgun in the beginning that's hilarious but uh but where conversely you know like you watch train spotting which we'll, we'll watch at some point because mm-hmm. it's on the list mm-hmm. but like with the baby crawling on the ceiling and that's fucking nuts like that's crazy I mean that baby dies too, doesn't it? I yeah yeah yeah. That's that's even the more disturbing part. Beyond that is when they walk up to the the cradle in that movie and, her, and the woman just starts like screaming because the baby's been dead because they've all been high on heroin for two days. Yeah. But we'll talk about that when we talk about Train Spotting, starring Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, don't know if that casting is correct. I but... think that's how it is. Uh. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I think we should maybe take a listen. Uh, there, there's not okay. I'm gonna be frank with everyone yeah. right now. There's not a lot of clips I can play. There's not very much dialogue. Let's just say this though, out of the gate, right now, folks. This movie has incredible sound design. Incredible sound design. I watched three quarters of this movie before my lovely wife got out of bed and wanted to watch the last bit of it with me and was thoroughly confused. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I watched the first three quarters of this movie with my headphones on, my nice slow Sony Platinum headphones. All right, Jason, we don't need that. It was it was lovely. It was wonderful. The sound design is so. Uh, I would put it up there with somebody like David Lynch. Like, it's just such great, like, like stuff going on, mm-hmm. you know, on my Sony Platinum headphones. God damn it. <laughs> Sony Platinum, a sponsor of this podcast. Well, they could be if they would send me a gift card for Sony products in the amount of $120 plus tax, which is what I paid for that headset from Digital World. If you need to pawn something, Digital World is there for you. That's... I believe it's the deals are here. Uh, 455cash.com Stop it! <laughs> I'm trying to work as an advertising deal, Brendan. Sometimes you got to take initiative. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I don't have... A, there's not a whole lot of clips we could play. It's a very it's a very visual movie. Yes. But I do want to play one clip of uh, one of her conversations in the, in the van as she picks up a fella. Hi. Yeah, lost. Yeah, lost. Yeah, for. I'm not for the M8. Up to the roundabout. Are you Can't walking? Land. Yep. Where are you walking to? Home. Oh, you're going home. <laughs> to your family. No, no, just myself. Just yourself? Ah, uh, it's great. Yeah, hi. You can do whatever I like. So where are you coming from? Govan. Right there. Sorry? Govan. Govan? Did you work there? No, no. Don't work there. I work for myself. Do you want to live? Hey. Aye, why not? You'll have to tell me how to get there. <laughs> Just follow this road straight up. Okay. Sure. So what do you do? Eh, uh, electrician. Oh, you're an electrician. Oh. It's cold. Aye. I shall be a bit nappy, aye. Yeah. So what is it you're doing? I'm, I'm just uh, driving just uh, some furniture for my family. And, All right. Yeah. So you live alone? Yes. And you love it? That is great. What do you love about living alone? You can be Do I go straight through? Yeah, just straight through. So if you're wondering why that didn't sound like a movie, that's because that's a genuine conversation she's yeah. having with a random guy. Who apparently was walking along the side of the highway. Yeah, and and I love how, um, and, and you hear the vetting process too. Yeah. You hear her saying like, oh, you live alone. Do you like living alone? And this is the first guy she picks up. Yeah, and then, and then um, they don't even show what happens to him. No. They cut, and then he's not in the car. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you're kind of like, so it kind of leaves you like wondering at first, like yeah, what's they, going on with these passengers? What, what I was interested in that scene was that her, I feel like she didn't think about her story. Like when he asked about her, that for some reason she hadn't considered like the idea of a, of a backstory for her. And she's just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm moving some furniture for my uh, family. Yeah, yeah, because if you notice throughout the movie, um, her kind of backstory gets a little better. Yeah, yeah, she gets better at it. Um, can we talk about ultimately what happens when these guys get lured? Because those, those scenes were yeah. incredibly really cool. Effective. So, yeah. we, so again, we go back to Charlie Rose's office. It's all black. <laughs> That's just how I've described it in all my notes is Charlie Rose's office. Um, and she basically, and it's it very a, weird because she goes into like an apartment and then all of a sudden it's all black and they start walking and he, she's like drawing them forward. 
Like a spider. Mm-hmm. Jason's looking at me really strange right <laughs> Like now. a spider, Brendan. Like in, in, in Dr. No. Scarlett Johansson is Charlotte's Web. That's right. Uh, but yeah, she draws him in and, and she like is walking backwards and they're walking forwards. And then at some point they start sinking into the ground, which is reflective and looks like a perhaps a liquid and oil or something. Like, like or, a pool almost. Yeah, a pool or something. And they don't seem to realize that they're going no. into the pool. It's like they're, they're just, kind of under a trance. Yeah, they're, they're staring at her delicious body and mm-hmm. can't take their eyes off her because and then they sink into a pool. And, and the first we, time we see this, we just he just goes into the pool and she just leaves and goes about her business. Yeah, and then we kind of see later when a second guy ends up in the pool mm. and he sees another man from earlier. He sees the diver from earlier, I believe. I, I thought it was the Scottish guy she picked up, but but it's hard to tell because the guy's so weirdly deformed. And he's the, been like he's been like um, always been in the water so long. Tenderized, so his skin is starting to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And he watches, and this Jason, this I timed it. This yeah. is a minute. I believe it's a minute and a half of silence. Yeah. There is no sound. There is no music. There is no dialogue where he just watches this guy disintegrate mm. in the water while he is just like, he's just been brought into the water. He even kind of looks up and he sees like Scarlett Johansson mm. standing there and he just watches it. And I'm like, this movie has the fucking balls. Even if I didn't like this movie, which yeah. I obviously, I love this movie, yeah. but even if I didn't like it, this movie has the fucking balls to go silent for a minute and a fucking half. Yeah. And it, and it works because it builds up to this guy just suddenly popping. Yeah. Like, like it's like, it's just almost like an explosion and he just kind of like implode. He like explodes and then implodes. And it's just the, literally the remnants of his skin floating. And, and they hold on that for like 30 seconds. It felt like yeah, like straight up just holding on this like skin floating through the water. And you could see like his hand and his foot and his face and everything. And, and this is when you also see like the kind of like processing plant. Yeah. Cause when you see like the red, well, the red like processing going... plant. It literally is like a shaft of red material going into a slot. Going that in... that is the most impression we get, but yeah. it's enough to get across the idea of like, oh, it's just all being sh- sloughed out. Guys, yeah. this movie does not spoon feed anything to no. you. Like, no. if you <laughs> if you think you're going into this and you're going to get solid answers, you're sorely mistaken. Mm. Like, this movie's not all about... This movie is not about that at all. See, you can always go and read the novel if you want uh, more clarification, folks. Uh, check it out at your local library. Libraries brought to you by... For Screen and Country. We're we're sponsoring libraries, Brendan. That's what we're doing now. We're sponsoring libraries. I believe reading is the scourge of the future. That's right. So head to the library and be part of the scourge of the future. Oh, we're going to have to pause for a second. Like, the hiccups. We should definitely talk about Adam Pearson. Yes, Adam Pearson, absolutely. So, this is a, this was a little bit of story behind this. So, one of the men she picks up, the director said, this is one of the few people I want an actual actor. Yeah. And it was supposed to be a man with a deformity, a, fa- a facial deformity. And Jonathan Glazer said, but I don't want someone with prosthetics. I really fucking, I kind of, appre- I really yeah. appreciate what he did here. No, I do It's too. like, there are people out there with, with, like facial deformities who are mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. they know how to act this guy actually apparently had not really done that much acting he yeah. wasn't really mu- like too much into the acting but he went out and found this guy named adam pearson to with who actually has a facial deformity mm-hmm. to play a man with a facial deformity now uh the thing with adam pearson is like he might be uh, like aside from scarlett johansson because i think she has to carry this movie that yeah. she's 
obligated to carry this yes. movie. He might be the next... He's definitely the next most effective performer. Well, he certainly has the most dialogue of anybody besides her. And and yeah. again, that is not a whole lot, but... No. Um, but he is, like... He's so, like, natural and genuine. Mm. And, and, and as a comparison point, especially to the scene we just played where she's talking to another... Uh, another guy mm. I do want to play a little bit of their conversation where she, what her seductive uh, methods for him are mm-hmm. a little different so let's just listen to that a little bit of that when was the last time you had a girlfriend never had one so don't you get lonely then You're very nice hands. You've beautiful hands. So, again, I only played a little bit of dialogue there, and that's because apparently, um, to kind of help Scarlett Johansson with this scene, uh, Adam Pearson was giving her a lot of things that she could tell him that someone um, in his situation would maybe be a lot more moved by. Yeah. So she's not necessarily saying things like, like "Oh, you got a great smile." Oh, yeah. you're look, you're you're a looker, because like that's something that someone like him would be like, "Okay, whatever. yeah." It's, it sounds like, condescending. I'm sure it's condescending. But she's she's kind of um, complimenting other features, yeah. like, "Oh, you have beautiful hands." Yeah. Oh, you know, you don't have a girlfriend. Why don't you have a girlfriend? Like she's she sounds very genuine, and yeah. that's because her character is genuine. Mm. She honestly does not know why he's like. Yeah. What do you mean? I do I have a girlfriend? Like I'm in my my situation right yeah. now. Why would I have a girlfriend? And like, and for her, I mean, as an alien, to her, humans all look the same, regardless of whether they're deformed or not. I have to imagine, like it's yeah. just they look like they look like food animals, as far mm-hmm. as as she's concerned. And I I have to uh, uh, give credit where credit is due, uh, uh, Mr. Pearson. There, he um he, he's a very good actor, and. I, again, I get the sense that he's like he gets into this van with her, and he has this hesitation. You can tell in the back of his mind, he like, why is this? Why is this beautiful girl interested in me? Yeah. Like I've I've been, and maybe in his life he's been fucked over like that before. I mean, I know I know the actor himself brought in a lot of his own experience with bullying and such to uh, to this role, and I think he's done a lot with stuff since this role with that, and it's yeah. been helped by being in this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he really embodies a guy who like is so desperate for for affection but also is smart enough to you know be suspicious of it <laughs> yeah and i mean she catches him as he's going to grocery shop in the middle of the night yeah because basically he won't be bothered yeah and i mean he's wearing a hoodie he's covering mm-hmm. his face for the most part and it's really interesting in this scene because you kind of see her break him down a little bit in terms of like getting him to be more relaxed because he slowly takes his hood down. He uh, starts to look at her because for the while he's looking at the window. He's not really making eye contact. He's making a lot more eye contact. She holds his hand like they hold hands at mm-hmm. one point. Um, so she she's it's kind of a great scene. It might be my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, because she kind of like she's psychologically seduces him mm-hmm. and it's so different from every other scene and and it, and it goes different for him too because when he gets to the place and she takes him into the thing yeah. and he leads him into the water she gives him the full show he gets to see everything none of the other guys got to actually see her like naked mm-hmm. like she was in the process of taking her clothes off but they never got a full look she it, gives him a full look do you think that's because though that like she had to do that to convince him that it was for real maybe but it worked out for him <laughs> 
Uh, well, does it though? Because, I mean, it does until it doesn't. Yeah, because like, well, this is and this is the turning point of the yeah. movie too, because she seduces him. He gets up in the pool, but then she has a scene where she goes down the stairs and she looks at a mirror. Mm. And this is a scene again. Jonathan Glazer is not shy about stretching out a scene. Mm. She stares at that mirror for a good solid minute. Is that if when? Not is more. that when she's looking at her face or when she's staring at herself naked? Just at her face. Oh right, because it's later than naked. No, but yeah, and you can see like stuff moving underneath her face. I, I, honestly, I didn't even notice mm. if that was happening. I, what I did notice, though, is that when she's looking in the mirror, there's a there's a major focus on her eyes. And mm. actually, in general, in this movie, there's a lot of focus on her eyes. She has great eyes. She does have great eyes. Um, and even like later when uh, the, the biker is just kind of staring at her, he's making direct eye contact with her. And he's mm. looking right at her eyes. And it's yeah. almost like he's like checking to see if she's showing the signs of the previous person because yeah. I, I still think that woman was a previous person showing any kind of empathy see I, I just looked at that as like he was telepathically communicating with her that they were communicating in a way that we can't perceive and he was yeah. essentially dressing her down I think I mean maybe but I think also I think being, also it has something to do with her eyes ultimately yeah. just, being, just being like look your job is to harvest meat for the for the rich people the rich people matter you don't so harvest the meat it's all get about them boys and harvest the meat listen and it's all about the one percent. That's right. We serve them. We bring them human meat and caviar and uh, various gold encrusted dildos. Oh, oh, that's what rich people love. All right. I read a, I read an article once in the Economist, and that's what rich people rich people love. So, so I guess we should say in the second half of the film um, is when she kind of abandons her entire mission. Yeah. She okay, so she there's a scene where she's sitting in traffic and she gets a rose mm. and it's from somebody in a van and she looks at there's blood on her yeah. hand. I didn't quite understand that part. I wonder if that's maybe like her understanding that humans bleed almost. Like I wonder if that's like like it, it drives home to her this resonance of like, oh these these are actual beings. Like they've yeah. got blood. Like like they're not just I assume, animals. Like... I assume whatever being she is has some equivalent. So seeing this blood on them to be like, huh, yeah. And the fact that somebody bought her a rose in but traffic. Is it, is it her blood? No, it's his blood because we see a scene afterwards where she looks out into traffic and sees him with the flowers and can see the blood on his hand and he's kind of like wrapping his hand up or wiping it off or whatever. So and it's the guy who gives her the flowers. Yeah, it's the guy who gives her the flower because oh, okay. he's handling roses, right? So chances are you might get pricked every now and then. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay. I kind of got that. I right. also am, am the idea of buying a flower for somebody in traffic. Is that a real thing? Does that happen in Britain? British listeners, if Listen, you're out there. Listen, it's Scotland. Or maybe big city listeners because we live in a relatively small city in this country. So maybe in big cities people do that because I've heard of like like I've seen like squeegee kids and the like that will come up and you know clean your window window for a dime or whatever. Uh, Says so the seventy five year old man. Yeah, dime bag. Hey Jason, here's some meth. Clean hey, my window. Jason. Yeah. Forget it, Jason. It's Scotland Town. That's right. It is Scotland Town. But <laughs> but that that kind of triggers the second half of the film. Where she becomes the... It's kind of interesting, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because yeah. she starts to feel empathy, and we start to feel empathy for her. Yeah. Because she kind of turns into, like, sort of a tragic figure, because yeah. she's being... Now she's like, okay, well, maybe what I'm doing is not so great. Um, I'm going to try to blend in. Yeah. She goes to a restaurant mm -hmm. and tries to eat cake. Yeah, because lovely... she's like. This lovely. Is, this is what a person would do, yeah. and immediately wretches. Yeah, and it's a lovely piece of standard chocolate cake that uh, you would find, and I'm sure she was probably paid or probably had to pay seven or eight pounds for. Yeah, it was ridiculous because the restaurant had such a good view. You know, the menu was fucking ridiculous, and that's something I need to talk about. Is that when 
just because just because a restaurant has a great view doesn't mean you got to charge an arm and a leg. Sometimes poor people want to have a nice experience. Restaurant tours. Maybe you should have a special night for us poor people so that we can get a half price meal and a good view. Think about us, okay? This is what this movie has brought upon me: is my desire to have a good view at a reasonable price. Listen, listeners, you're just hearing this for the first time on the podcast. I hear this every day. <laughs> Another thing: I want a meatloaf special. Nobody has meatloaf anymore, Brendan. That's right. But apparently, but at this point, yes. she becomes basically she's just walking around. Yeah. Taking everyone's word for it. Just kind of like uh, like I was in my early 20s. Just kind of wandering around and not really knowing what's going on. Listening to every piece of advice she gets. Yeah. Like she walks she walks around. Um, I mean, she tries the cake. She retches. She walks around and this guy tells her, oh, if you want to wait for a bus, it's over there. And she just kind of, she has no idea what a yeah. bus is. But she's okay. And just sits there and waits for the bus. Where's she got all the money that she has? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Do they issue money from the Alien Space Command? I feel like it's not a, it's a non-issue. Well, it is for me. I'm a Star Trek fan, Brendan. Details matter. Well, then you picked the wrong movie. <laughs> uh, but she gets on the bus, and she kind of gets into this weird, like, romantic relationship with the guy. He thinks it's a romantic yeah. relationship. She's just kind of going along with the flow. Yeah. And and the scene is, like, she, she kind of has... I mean, she's going with it. They're kissing. Yeah. They're... They're going. They're about to have sex. And I was and like, then, "Holy shit, she's actually going to fuck a guy!" And then she realizes she's not a human because her genitalia ain't right. See, what I couldn't figure out, Brendan, was whether he just couldn't get in, like there was nothing there, or or she was the one that was surprised by that that was what was happening because she then leaps off the bed and grabs a lamp and is staring at her crotch trying to figure out what's going on. I don't think there's. I I think there's nothing there yeah. because I think the way. He reacts first. It's just like he can't quite figure it out. And then she literally holds a lamp to her vagine. Mm-hmm. Or what would be. What would be a vagine. And uh, is kind of perplexed as to what is there. Now, granted, you may be right about the other theory. Because yeah. she never has sex with anyone else. She just lures them into the water. Yeah. And they, they fucking get processed and become meat. Um, but yeah, so I mean that happens. And then she immediately leaves. Um, and I do want to play this. This is uh, I know, and I know we said uh, previously that we're kind of changing the format. We don't really go in order, but at this point, I think we should just talk about the rest of the film. Yeah, okay. So she has this like conversation with a logger that she meets in the middle of the woods, and I mm. want to play a little bit of this conversation here. You stop for a ramble in the woods, sir. Yeah. You just stop for a ramble in the woods. Yeah, yeah. I sir, uh, watch out your step here. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit slippery around here, but. Uh, this time of year, it's all right in summer. Well, still wet in summer, but uh, not as bad as it is now. But uh, there's plenty of trails around here. Have you been here before? No, first time? Yeah? Oh, you won't get lost. Uh, they're all clearly marked, but uh, there's uh, about 2,000 acres of forest here, so you shouldn't, you should have uh, plenty of places to go in that. You on your own? Yeah. Yeah, on your own? Oh, it's, uh, it's a nice place if you want some solitude. You know, it's. Uh, gather your thoughts and all that yeah so uh, enjoy yourself okay. anyway okay so ultimately um so this conversation you know it's, it's, again feels very 
genuine natural. Yeah. This guy was not an actor. This was just the guy who owned one of the locations they shot at. Wow. Yeah. And they, they got him to do this. Yeah. Wow. So this, I mean, eventually turns into a scene where he attempts to rape her. Yeah, he just kind of comes out of nowhere and, like, grabs her. Well, she she like kind of wanders out to a stone cabin in the mm. woods and kind of passes kind of, out. Kind of, and... kind of a rest stop for anybody passing through the mountains yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, because here's the thing, Breton. This is, or Breton. Britain. Here's the thing, Brendan. My name about is Britain. Britain. Yeah. Is that Britain has this wonderful thing called the, I think it's like the right of free passage or the right of free travel. And the idea is, is that people can own private property, but you as a citizen have the, the um, kind of right to travel through people's property in a way that we don't have here in North America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so you can just like go through these paths and sometimes people have like things set up that you can go and like kind of take a rest at or whatever. And maybe that's what that is. is she's in this little like log cabin. She just kind of conks out for a nap and wakes up to this motherfucker coming back to rape her. Well, he tries to. Tries to. So the thing with this is like that I find like is kind of the most realistic aspect of this is like, you know, this conversation we just heard, it's a little bit awkward. It's mm. a little bit. You know, not unnerving, but it's a little weird and stuff. But well, you, it is weird to run into a random person in the middle of the fucking woods. Now, maybe she wouldn't know that because she's an alien, and maybe yeah. she thinks that's normal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's probably weird. Like, I'm not saying okay. I'm saying if I'm if you're that guy, it's also weird to just see this lady walk yes. through the woods just Very by strange. herself. Uh, you know, this beautiful woman walking through all by herself. So it is a very weird scene. It's very awkward, but I would have never guessed that this, it would yeah. end up like this. Yeah. But I think that's also kind of the film making a statement where it's like, it doesn't always happen where like you see in a, in a, in a typical Hollywood movie where, you know, you know, that guy's like a sexual assaulter, yeah. you know, that guy's a rapist yeah. or whatever. This just, just looks like a normal dude. Just a guy in the woods. Just, yeah. a, just a logger, just a dude. Wearing he's, his high vis, his high vis vest, you know, he's just trying to earn a living. Yeah, and, and, and it just kind of speaks to me anyway that, like, the human race is fucking confounding. Yeah, it is. Because, like, you imagine, like, Jason, you imagine you're an alien, okay? I want you to imagine you're an alien. Mm. And you come here. Hello. And you're trying to form this sort of overall consensus of the human race. Oh. How the fuck do you do that? Fair. Uh, but we have to remember that in this movie, her job is not, she's not in Starfleet. You know, she's not observing the human race to learn data. She's but there halfway, to harvest them. But halfway through, she be, she tries. Yeah, she to, starts to learn a little. She more. wants to fit in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you want to fit in with the human race. How the fuck do you do? You contend like something like this, or something like this, and something like this, and something like this. Like, there's just so many fucking. Well, but, possible... but that's the thing. We don't we don't know what her headspace is. We don't know what kind of people her uh, race of aliens are. We don't mm-hmm. know if they may. Perhaps they have as wide a variety of people as we do, or perhaps they're a much more monolithic kind of culture. We don't know, mm. uh, but for whatever reason, yeah, this this would I imagine freak her out a little bit. Well, I'd say I'd say they were specifically one way that is not like us because well, she's confounded by everything that happens. Well, yeah, and confounded by it because it's like it's it's not a rape in the same way that a human would take it because a human would be a, tra- a traumatic, tragic event. Um, but for her, she doesn't even know what's going on. No. I just have to assume it's like she's like a she's kind of like a uh, like a scared animal. Yeah, um, because in this in this rape scene it's not necessarily explicit mm. it's not explicit at no. all actually there's there's not really he basically like, starts tearing off her clothes he starts tearing but... off her clothes um and it, but it, but it's it's like it's messy it's not like it's not shot like it's not shot like stylistically in any kind of way it's no. not like 
it's kind of just happens. It's just happening and kind of brutal. And she gets away, and of course, like well, this is the pivotal moment. She gets where... away, but she gets away because he is tearing off her clothes. And when he tears off her clothes, he grabs her back, and he ends up tearing off a strip of her skin and revealing and the see, black skin underneath. Yeah. You see the alien exoskeleton yes. underneath. Well, if you want to call it that, it could be the skin exoskeleton. I didn't look like an exoskeleton to me. The exoskeleton. Because unlike in the book, these aren't canids, and they aren't like like arthropods or Arthur, like the aardvark. Yeah. Oh. And that said, hey, what a wonderful kind of day! It's a day to look and play and get an original point of view. A teacher gets married to a man, and everyone gets mad. It's funny, it, the teacher gets married, everybody gets mad, it's 2019. You remember in like the 90s when, when Jerry Falwell got mad because Tinky Winky was purple and had a triangle on his head and carried a fucking purse? It never ends. PBS is so edgy. Mm. Goddamn you, Arthur. Arthur. I watched a lot of Arthur. I had cousins that I babysat growing up. It was weird that Russell Brand played him in the film adaptation. <laughs> Hello, I'm Arthur. Yeah. I'm an but yeah, so so at this point, she she yeah, we see her like you know her actual form. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is such a cool moment is when she takes off the the human form. She's literally staring at her human form. She is staring at the skin what she was under. Yeah, and then the guy, the logger. The yeah, logger and this comes is back. the fucking this is the most fucked up un, un, unexpected part of the film. The logger fucking comes back, Brendan, and what does he do? He sets her on fire. He dumps gasoline onto her and then sets her on fire. Now that says a lot about this logger because one has to wonder how many other women that he's burned in the woods after he raped them mm. that he would do that to this woman, especially as he didn't even get to rape her. He just saw the black skin and thought, well, this is fucked up. Let's kill it. Well, and I wrote down like I honestly just wrote down we destroy what we don't understand. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a theme in this. It's a movie. Great human. That's a great insight in humanity. It's it's true. We destroy what we don't understand. Yeah. So much of human history is based on that tragic principle. And she dies with such a whimper. There's yeah. no like. There's no you know flourish at the end. There's no big epic moment where well, one she's wonders kind of, how much pain she's even. This in is at that this, point. Th- exactly. We don't know how she processes pain. Mm. This is not a Wicker Man situation. No. We have the main character screaming out in horror as you know they're being burned alive. Both movies end with people being burned alive. Yeah. Think about it, Jason. Connections. About connections. It. Is Nicolas Cage somewhere in the background? Uh, I think I'm talking about the '70s one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so it's just it's it's really interesting kind of how that all comes to a head. Mm. And I mean, you got the ending with the bikers at the top of a mountain. We don't know if he knows. We don't know if he cares. He just kind of looks out and that's kind of how it ends. Yeah. 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 This movie says a lot about a lot. <laughs> I like I like the end of this movie the way it looks with the snow and everything. She kind of like she walks out burning into the snow and then collapses. She just kind of collapses. And then we and, and then the the other thing that we haven't talked about as much, but what has been going on is that the biker has kind of been following her around and cleaning up her mess because because after the um, after the deformed guy the guy with the deformed face is released, he kind of we see him wandering off into like the, the fields he, and he's naked because he, yeah. yeah he's no clothes he's fucking naked so he's just wandering off into the fields and then later we see the biker coming along. He goes to a house this random house and he fucking walks up and he smashes the window out of the car and pops the trunk and then walks into the backyard and we see that guy in the ba- that backyard yeah. and he just grabs him or something. I don't know. I think it cuts away. And then we see him haul him out and dump him in the trunk, close the trunk and drive away and an old lady from her window sees it happen. Mm. 
Like, so that's interesting because his the whole thing is about destroying evidence. But yeah. now, now there's, like, there's a, witness. a witness. Yeah, there's a witness, and we don't really come back to that. No. So I wonder, like, if that what that sequel? To be. It, uh, it, it, it's a courtroom drama. Really <laughs> it's about that biker guy being put on trial. Yeah. For the murder of Keep this, going. this guy, Ray Pearson. Keep going. Cast it. Who's the judge? Uh, Maya Angelou. Okay. Oh wait, no, she's dead. Maya Rudolph. Okay. Uh, who's the prosecution? Uh, Taryn Killam. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's a, it's a Saturday Night Live sketch. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's not a movie anymore. <laughs> and then we're gonna have special celebrity guest star, Chloe yep. Kardashian. Oh, okay. No. Uh, she's playing the defense. Uh, okay, so she's the biker. She's defending the biker. Yeah. Oh, she's defending the biker. Okay, I got. I no, got no, we, we we get the guy from the movie. We get that. We get that uh, motorcyclist. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he just okay. he just silently stands there. The so whole who's movie. hosting this particular episode of Saturday Night Live? Uh, that would be a musical guest. Wait, uh, the musical guest is the host. Yeah, uh, okay. Moby. Mo- so Moby is the host and the musical guest. Yes. And who is Moby playing in the sketch? Uh, Moby is the Moby is the bailiff. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go, Lauren Michaels. It's your it's your move. It's your move, Lauren. <laughs> oh, we have so much fun on this show. Oh God. Well, Jason, um, is there anything else you want to? Talk? Yes. I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun here because I know uh, there's lots of stuff in this movie. Um, oh, I did write down. Can I just say one thing? Oh, I, I have Scarlet, to say Sandstorm. They they go to a club and Sandstorm by Darude is playing. By the way, that club scene yeah. is real. Yeah, it's a real it's club. Real club, real wow. music, real people. So they were running around with cameras in the club. Spy cams. Wow. Yeah. It looked real. Um, no, I wanted to say that Scarlett Johansson's reaction, by the way, when she's with that guy mm. who uh, they try to have sex or whatever. Yeah. When he's showing her like British comedy. Yeah, her, yeah. Her, They're watching Tommy Davidson. Her reaction to that, though, is I, is I, feel, I feel like it's a lot of Americans trying to watch British yeah, exactly. comedy. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is this even about? Um, I mean, and, and, and folks, the, the, the joke is, I mean, with Tommy Davidson is he's a bad magician. That's kind of his whole bit is that yeah. he's doing bad magician tricks. And if you go on YouTube, you can see Tommy Davidson die because he famously was on stage doing a bit and he collapsed and died and everybody thought it was part of the bit uh, and then it cuts away to commercial so uh, if you want to watch a man die check out youtube.com it's <laughs> our sponsor <laughs> it's dark it's yeah. real dark it's real scary yeah um, but yeah no that's it's it's, it's um, yeah she, she her reaction like her kind of nonplussed reaction is like yeah it's most Americans watching British humor um, yeah so is there anything else you wanted to uh, kind of throw down like overall yeah so this movie and the tone of it reminds me of, of a couple things. Specifically, this movie is like a David Lynch movie, but without like a whole lot of defined characters. Because the thing about David Lynch movies is that they're weird, but they have like these like weird characters in them. And in this movie, the, really the only characters we see are Scarlett Johansson and the little glimpses of the fellas that she picks up. So it doesn't mm-hmm. have those weird characters, but the the kind of the weirdness of it all, the tone of it all. The, the, the use of sound design is so strong. It, again, it, very David Lynchian in that way. Um, I, I, I was kind of, and, and then thinking in the sci-fi uh, end of things, I, it reminded me somewhat of, uh, and bear with me here, and I'll, I'll explain why. It reminded me somewhat of Dune from 1984, David Lynch's Dune. Uh, I don't the Sting being in this movie. Yeah, I wish. That would have made it so much better. Uh, I mean, because Sting enhances anything, with, especially if he's wearing a codpiece. Right. You're talking about Steve Borden, right? Yeah, that guy. Just call me Sting. No, it's Gordon. Oh, you mean the other Sting? Steve Gordon, the wrestler. Come on, dude. I got you. Yeah, stay with me. But it reminds me of Dune in the sense that it is almost an interpretive take on the source material. Okay. Where now Dune is much more explicit 
in the sense that there's much more detail from the source material than I would say there is in uh, this movie, but it is similar where if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the source material, as I wasn't until about five minutes after the movie and I went and read the summary of the book, if you're not familiar with the source material, the movie is a little weird and like Dune especially Dune is a if you don't know Dune Dune is like why is everybody whispering what the fuck is going on why is it raining and why are people using sound guns my favorite computer game you don't know Dune you don't know Dune <laughs> the great Dune trivia series it covers all the books even yep. God Emperor yeah um but yeah, it reminds me of that in the sense that it's kind of a, a one director's interpretive take on a piece of science fiction that is not necessarily how you would expect it to be on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Dune is closer to that, but but this is, again, very much in the same genre. And it's cool. And, and it's one of those things that I would kind of be interested sometime to see another uh, author's take on this story. Like with Dune, we are expected to get a, a Denny Arcand. Is that the guy? The guy that directed Blade uh, Runner? Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. That's yeah. the guy. Denis Villeneuve is going to direct a, a, a new Dune movie. Yeah, it's fucking great. cool. I'm so, so excited. I'm excited to see how that how that because I love the book. Dune is probably my favorite novel of all. I time. feel like he's going to do it more um, for people who maybe are not so familiar with it too. Well, that's it, and that and that's going to be interesting too to see yeah. how they go about because it's such a it is a dense complex story, and I'm yeah. interested to see where they go. And I would be interested in the future. You know, it doesn't have to be anytime soon, but maybe 20 years down the road to see somebody take another crack at this story. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it more conventionally, like closer to the book, and do a big budget version, or maybe just take a different approach to it. It would be really cool. I mean, like I say, for me, Dune, I've got I've got the '84 version, I've got the TV miniseries version, I've got the books themselves, and now I'm going to have a new version. So it's really cool to see those different interpretations of the same source material. So Any good. other thoughts on your part? Um, not really. Before we kind of get into it uh, a little bit further with the uh, the critique of yeah. the film, um, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's really interesting too that um, for me it kind of feels like it almost kind of feels like this was made by a female filmmaker, yeah. Because there's not, there's not a lot of that ma- they they call it the male gaze, mm. and there's not a lot of that when we see like the nudity and the sexual stuff. Like it's not like it's not focused a lot on the man. It's not. No, the only gazes not, in this movie are coming from the men she picks up, and they are quickly disabused of the notion that they are going to get laid. And it kind of flips the script on the whole thing, where like you know a guy will go around picking up women, mm. and obviously it's very terrifying. Yeah. But if a girl does it, you know a lot of men are pretty willing to get into the van. Clearly, a lot of them do in yeah. this movie. Some of them get where they're going if they have family. But let's talk a little bit about uh, this. Is this is it doesn't do well at the box mm, office. Mm. But I mean that's to be expected. The budget of this movie is thirteen point three million dollars. Yeah. Uh, box office is around seven point two. So it doesn't really do too too well. Yeah, make it up in DVD sales. It doesn't go to the Oscars at all. Unfortunate. Which is unfortunate because like the cinematography, the sound design alone, yeah. the sound editing, the sound mixing, every all the especially technical awards. You're telling like, me there was like five better movies in 2013 that had better sound editing than this movie? Come yeah, on. I mean, it's, Transformers can't win every Oscars. Uh, thank God that didn't happen. Um, but at the BAFTAs, it actually does get nominated for best original film and best film music. Doesn't win, but it gets nominated. Nice. Uh, this movie was named the best film of 2014 by 20 critics and publications. In 2015, The Guardian named it one of the top 50 films of the decade so far. Yeah. Uh, received multiple accolades, including the London Film Circle, London Film Critics Circle Award for British Film of the Year, and a European Film Award for Best Soundtrack. In 2016, it was ranked number one in the BBC's 100 Greatest Films of the 21st Century. Wow, number one. Maybe we should maybe we should do something about that. Maybe. Shit. 
number 61, sorry, not number one. Oh, okay, yeah. Jesus. I mean, um, it's a good movie, but... Uh, which is an international poll of 177 critics. In France, the prestigious Cahier du Cinéma, the, the uh, place under the skin on the third place of their 2014 top 10 chart. So this movie gets accolades across the board. Audiences are very divided on this movie, obviously. Yeah. This is not a mainstream... It, it's the least mainstream mainstream film I've ever seen. Yeah, I would say. And, and, and this is a movie that I don't think there'll be any in between. You'll either like it or you won't. This is a movie I wouldn't casually recommend to someone. No. <laughs> so I will say this. Since we are kind of coming up to the end here. If you are someone who likes a slow, deliberate pace, a kind of an interesting story that doesn't spell anything out for you or doesn't spell a lot out for you, mm. and you like this sort of beautiful cinematography, uh, sound design elements of film, you enjoy the actual like you know filmmaking stuff, you're not just like going for a cheap thrill, do not watch this as a regular horror no. movie. Uh, but if you're into that kind of stuff, I would say you will probably really like this movie. And I really like this movie. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot too. And I, would, I wouldn't I would go so far as to call this movie a tone poem, but I would say it's definitely heading in that direction where so much of it is kind of the the feel and the look. It's not about like this intricate plot or anything because no. we did barely hear any dialogue. It's just about kind of showing you this happened. And, and it's really fascinating for that reason. Yeah, and it, like, yeah, like, like Jason said, it's... The plot is not overly important. The plot, I mean, I mean, I would say that there are elements of the plot that definitely um, help with the story and help with your kind of interpretation of the film. And there's many different interpretations you can take. This is also one of uh, A24's first movies. Mm-hmm. Early, they're one of their early, like I guess, horror movies. Um, so if you like this one, Jason, you'll probably mm. enjoy many of their movies. The Witch is very good. Yes, um, I'm, I'm excited to see The Lighthouse. Uh, the Lighthouse is fantastic. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, Hereditary is great. Midsummer is awesome. So it's a great collection of uh, amazing, like, just auteur-style yeah. horror movies. Not yeah. just like, you know... Boo, jump scares or whatnot. This is not. These are not movies made for Saturday matinee popcorn fests with the kids. No. Leave them at home, folks. Leave your kids at home. Don't uh, don't have a party and and watch Under the Skin. Oh, it's all good. Drunk and watch Under the Skin. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right now. Um, I think if there like a future list, I honestly think this deserves a spot because it's unique enough. To kind of have a placement on the list. And if we're going to have five fucking David Lean movies on, yeah. we can have two Jonathan Glazer movies damn on, damn it. straight. Sexy Beast, bitches. Yeah. Sexy Beast and this movie. I would vote for both of them to be on the list. Could we... I mean, I said it earlier where we could have a crossover. What if we had like a like a Jonathan Glazer-verse movie where yeah. we brought in, you know, Under the Skin and 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 uh, Sexy Beast and right. even Birth, which we, birth. Haven't, we haven't watched yet. Where Ben Kingsley turns out to be the child. That's right. He's like, <laughs> oh, I'm fucking hero, I am. Fuck oh, you. I just pretended to be a child so I could fuck Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Wouldn't we all? That's... I mean, yeah. But that's... You know what? Let's not talk about I this I mean, she was here. in Days of Thunder. She... Oh, man. <laughs> You look like a monkey fucking a football out there. Was that Days of Thunder? Yeah, that's Randy Quaid in Days of Thunder. We look I, like monkey fucking a football out there. And then, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ray, that, that, that's not that's Robin, son. Robin Rison. Well, I gotta say, anyway, this movie, phenomenal. This movie is phenomenal. Days of Thunder, also phenomenal. <laughs> For different you can't reasons. go wrong with either. Yeah, they're both the same movie. <laughs> but Jason, now that we've talked about Under the Skin, we are done our little mini-series on... Uh, Brickpacks. Movies that are not on this list, but yeah. maybe should be. And we may come back to it at some point. Oh, yeah. I think we will. Spoiler alert. Maybe we can finally watch Holy Grail. 
Maybe. 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 Maybe we'll watch uh, uh, Meaning of Life. Oh, Maybe. Really? We'll really go down the hole. Maybe we'll watch Life of Brian. We, I mean, we'll, we will we watch will Life of Brian. Day, yeah. yeah. Uh, so now that we've wrapped that up, we're going to go back to the list. We have we've one more a, movie, don't we? We have two more. Two more. Two more, and then we're going to have our ranking show. All right. So, Jason. Is it my turn? It is. Hooray! <gasps> were we doing Adventure Brothers Your thing? turn. Oh, okay. Nobody knows what you're doing. I don't know. <laughs> no, we can't see us. We're doing the thing from Steel where Shaq and Annabeth Gish finger each other. Oh, right. That, I don't remember that part of Steel. Of course, I didn't see Steel. They so. just touch fingers to each other because the director said they uh, they, they couldn't have a kiss scene because they were an oh. interracial couple. Oh. Anyway, let's not talk about Steel. Yeah. That makes me upset. Um, okay, yeah, Jason's got the dice on the floor. Way ahead of the game here. So what are we going to do now, Jason? And now that we're going back to the list, what are we doing? We are going to roll two D10s to figure out what the next movie we will watch on the list. The D10s can give us any number between 1 and 100. We've watched a good chunk of them. And if we get one, we'll re-roll. If we get one, we'll re-roll? Yeah. If, if we get any movie, we will re-roll. <laughs> just keep re-rolling. We're just going to keep re-rolling for the next uh, 6 to 10 hours. <laughs> There's a reason this episode is so long. Yeah. <laughs> so what Jason is going to do here first is he's going to roll the 10s D10. Which is green. Where we are on the list. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it really helps. And then we're going to roll the 1s D10, which is red. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas just happened, so this is a reminder of all the good times you had at Christmas 2019. Of course. All right, so the first we've got the 10s is a 50. Okay. I feel like we've done most of them. We've done most of them. That is right. correct. So we'll see what we get. We get 55. 55 is the English patient. We're not oh, doing that again. Oh, no, no, never. God damn it. Fuck you, English patient. All right, we'll try again here. We got uh, 60. 60. Okay. And we got 69. Up top, my brother. Six. Well, couldn't be any more perfect that this would be 69, Jason. Mm-hmm. We're going back to the work of the bard, Ooh. William Shakespeare. We're going to talk about 1948, Laurence Olivier's Hamlet. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, well, we knew it was coming at some point. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. Here we go, here we go. So, all right. All right. Uh, the Black and White, 1948, Laurence Olivier. Adaptation of Hamlet, but that means we can open the door to other versions we could check out now. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we could watch all four hours of Kenneth Branagh's version. I mean, probably. Yeah. We so should, we should do that together. Okay. We'll watch it together. Yeah, like like we did with the fucking uh, uh, Doctor Zhivago. So remake. we're gonna be in the same room for six hours. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, that's what we're doing. So next right. week, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk about number sixty nine. <laughs> yeah, on the list. Hamlet. Lawrence Olivier. Uh, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or by opposing a sea of troubles end them and it keeps going from there. This shit is piss. Mm. I believe that's I right. have it and let's slip the dogs of war. Oh wait, that's Star Trek Six, sorry. Boy oh boy. Um uh, so now that we've wrapped that up, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for for screen and country. You can also find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also find Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D, where I occasionally will dip my toe into arguing with people on the internet and realize that it is a fruitless task and that it is not worth it. And he also will seduce people into giant pools, so be careful. Mm. Well, it's it's real warm. It's real nice. Have you ever been to a pool of jello? You would love it. 
Have I ever been in the pool of jello? Oh, Bill Cosby, you showed up. You're my favorite comedian, and, and I no, can't like you anymore. I was given a day off from the cell life. Ah, I see that. <laughs> you should probably just go. I mean, we, we can't have you here. I just wanted to say happy Father's Day. Look, sir, you can't smoke that cigar in here. You have to go. That's a really oh. gross way to smoke a cigar. Hey, uh, you get out of here. I'm a real I'm a real icon, not you. I'm, I've never been so happy to see Jimmy Stewart. I'm sorry, fellas. I was working security at the door, and I, <laughs> might, I must have fallen asleep. You kicked Bill Cosby out. I, I, I fell asleep at the, po- at the post. Mm. Ca- ca- can I read another poem? <sighs> All right. One more before we go, but we really have to end this, Jimmy. Under the skin. Uh-huh. Like a nice smooth gin. Hmm. Let me tell you about my dead dog. One time he ate a frog. Okay. You know, L.A. is covered in smog. I mean, that's true, yeah. Anyway, time to go sleep like a log. The best poems have anyway in them. By James Stewart. Been lovely, thank you. You're a legend. Hi, hi, Bill, get out of here. You've killed more Germans than any of my favorite movie stars. Thank you, Mr. Thank Stewart, you, for your Jimmy. service. Thank you, Jimmy. Bye. Well, there he goes. Well, it's been a, it's a revolving door here, Jason. It always is. Uh, but anyway, until next week when we talk about Hamlet. Good God! This could be rough. Uh, I mean, but but we've all seen Hamlet before, so we know what happens. Don't spoil it for me. I don't have to fucking. Do a plot summary. Well, we don't do that anyway. I know. But still, I'm glad I don't have to. Jason, I just have to say to you. Say it. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screening Country, I am Brendan. And I am Jason. Adios. (laughs) Well, I saw the thing coming out of the sky. It had a one long horn. One big eye, I commenced to shake him and I said, It looks like a purple people leader to me. It was a one eyed, one horn flying purple people leader. A one eyed, one horn flying purple people leader sure looks strange to me. Oh, well, he came down to earth and he lit in a tree. I said, Mr. Purple people leader, don't eat me. I heard him say in a voice so gruff. I wouldn't eat you cause you're so tough. It was a one eyed one horn flying purple people eat a one eyed one horn flying purple people eat one eyed one horn flying purple people eat a show. Hey everyone, it's Chris and Mike from the Recasting Couch, the podcast where we take our favorite movies and discuss what they would be like with new actors in all the lead roles. Hey Mike, tell them where they can find us on social media. You can find our website at therecastingcouch.com or on Twitter at RecastingPod. And of course, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, if there's a service that's not posting our pod, you let us know and we will rectify that immediately. Damn right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody.